Hey guys, welcome back to Not Another Science Podcast. I am your host, Tom Edwick. Just a little introduction to this episode. We thought we'd do something a little bit different. Basically, it's just me and Helena having a little chat, talking about like what we do, kind of how we got involved with science communication and the podcast and stuff. And then we have like a little bit of promotion for some things, some really cool things that we have coming up in, in the show, basically. So have a cheeky listen. We had a lot of fun recording it, and I think it's actually like a really, really nice and funny conversation, and I think you'll enjoy it. So here we go. Hey. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Yeah, it's all right. It's just we had to change um, internet provider, so we had to move the Wi-Fi. So now it no longer quite reaches my room. So I hope the sound is okay. Oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> and you working at home is just such a such a nightmare on so many levels. I'm also running on like not much sleep because like <laughs> in, um, it's been that's one been one of the weirdest things about being back at work because I have I haven't seen like this side of eight o'clock in so long oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> just your alarm goes off at like seven you're like no <laughs> yeah i'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> like, my entire work day just shifted because i didn't have to get up anymore yeah <laughs> that, was, that was bliss but yeah <laughs> back to proper work days now which is oh, just sad times <laughs> <laughs> I think that makes a very nice segue into the first question. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Helena, who who are you? What do you do? So, I work in the Centre for Discovery Brain Sciences at the University of Edinburgh, which is just a fancy department name, but essentially it's all neuroscience-related research. So, I'm a research assistant, which just means that I don't know anything and I need to ask for help a lot. <laughs> Um, but we work, we use zebrafish to look at the spinal cord. And in particular, we look at myelin, which is, it's like the fatty substance which surrounds your neurons, it insulates the nervous system, and it helps it to function better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the thing that goes wrong when you have multiple sclerosis, for example. I love working with fish because you, we look at them when they're just developing. So you can literally see like the, the two cells become four, become eight, and it's really, really cool. And because they're transparent, you can, you can just, just using a simple microscope, like you don't have to do anything to them. You can just look and observe and see what happens. That blows um, my mind. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Like I, I, I mean, I can't get over how, what we get to do every day. It's just, yeah, it's mind blowing. Do you use any like stains or dyes or anything like that? Do you add that to, to the cells while you're looking at them? do their thing yeah so um we don't so we don't add what we do is we have lines that are transgenic so they have the fluorescence already in them so then you don't have to add anything to the to the fish that's just how they grow up and it doesn't affect them like it's just you're just adding fluorescent marker to the spinal cord for example and you can just yeah you can just look at them and it doesn't doesn't affect them um which is really cool yeah (laughs) mind-blowing I mean, it's quite, it was quite a difference when to learn about all this and to then to actually get to do it. And you know, like you, because you learn about all the, the, the procedures and the methods, like, oh yeah, this is how you, you know, like this is how you modify a fish, for example, this is how you modify an organism. And then to actually be able to do it. So like yesterday, one of the things that I was doing was, um, when we, when we need to add a new fluorescent marker to the fish, you have to inject it when they're still at the egg stage. So when there's only one cell and like, 
people let me do that. Like I, I can do this. This is something that I do in my job. It's just <laughs> my mind. Yeah. So how, how, how long have you guys been back now for? Like, um, well, so we had people working throughout the lockdown. Like, I mean, I think we were all at home for a few months and then just because we, they, they are, you know, live animals, like we needed to be able to, um, to use them and to make sure that they were doing okay. So we had people in the lab quite early on, but very few and not very often. So I think we've, I, I've only been back for about a month now, taking care of the fish and then experiments proper for only a week. So yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's only just so it was so strange to be back in the lab, like so strange because mostly <laughs> they moved everything around so that it, we can be socially distant, but also just because like a huge feature of working in this lab, at least for me, is just that we all get on so well. So there's you know there's always chat, like you know exactly what's going on in everybody's lives, yeah. and to not have that to to be in the lab and just it be completely quiet. Yeah, it's so strange. That is really weird. I've I've yeah. found that I've completely lost the ability to socialize with other human beings so like i'm just out and about like <laughs> doing my shopping and stuff i'm like i've forgotten how to like be a person this is so awkward <sighs> yeah because i mean like we've had zoom meetings and stuff but it's just it's not the same and doing presentations over zoom is such a strange experience because you just sort of hear voices coming from your computer telling <laughs> you things but i don't know it's it's weird <laughs> but yeah but you've been quite busy during lockdown as well yeah um so I was like one of those people who definitely got on the, the sourdough hype bandwagon um, very early on. <laughs> <laughs> I always had an interest in making bread, but I was always like, oh, making sourdough, it's just such a complicated thing. I'm never going to bother. But all of a sudden, like, had all this time on my hands to just make bread. Uh, and, you know, once once I looked up how to actually do it, it's really not that that difficult to, like, as you know, because you've also done the sourdough stuff, um, like getting a starter established and then, yeah, like it's, it's not actually that much of an extra sort of hassle to just making like regular bread, I don't think. What's your it reckon? takes a lot longer. Like it's more, it's more involved as a process. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it is worth it. It is so worth it. Oh, I, it's, it's really bad because it's just so tasty, just like on its own with like some butter or something. And so like, I'll make a loaf or two for me and my flatmates. And it's the first loaf is always gone within, within the first day. We're all just like, Ooh, just going to take another slice. Don't mind me. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> I, I usually make two. And then the first one is usually gone within like a couple of hours. Like I'll, I'll, when, as soon as it comes out the oven, I'll be like, Oh, bread's done. And I'll just hear like little feet coming down <laughs> the corridor and boom, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just too good to to like not have it straight away, you know, when it's still warm and the butter's just yeah. melting a little bit. Oh, it's so nice. That was a weird adjustment for me because, like, because like being French, like having a bakery at the bottom of the road is there's a bakery at the bottom of every road. Like, yeah. it's just so common to be able to get fresh bread, and it it was weird for me here that the the most common form of bread is like the square stuff that you get in yeah. in shops. This is not right. This is <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, it's very nice to be able to have sort of fresh bread again. And, you yeah. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, was, I was also uh, working on a little research project in the field um, that I was very lucky to be able to take, take part in. So I was originally meant to be uh, working on a project that would involve a lot of travel um, up and down Scotland, but obviously 
it was locked down at the time and yeah. didn't seem like a very good idea for us to be like traveling all over. Uh, but thankfully there was another project working on the same species, which was blue tits. Um, and that was taking place a lot closer to Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't drive. So I was like cycling out <laughs> to the field at like five in the morning. <laughs> to go How and, like, far away was it? It was, it was probably like five and a half miles. And it was, but it was a bit of a deceptive cycle because it was all just slightly uphill, just Ooh. enough to make it not very pleasant. <laughs> well, at least the way back is all right then. Yeah, exactly. The way back was lovely. It was like you come down to the to the coast and like cycle back along the promenade to where I live, and it was just it was beautiful. Um, but yeah, it was it was a pretty wild project. There was a lot of sort of like weird weird situations that I didn't expect to be in <laughs> in my life. So the project was looking at um, the genetics of natural selection in a natural population of blue tits. And to get the DNA, we had to catch the adult birds uh, so we could like take a blood sample and stuff. But to catch the adult blue tits, we had to wear those like big camouflage outfits that like people like snipers in the military wear. <laughs> Bearing in mind, this was in a woodland where people regularly like walk their dogs and stuff. So we were just like lying in the undergrowth with these like crazy like camouflage outfits on, like staring at a nest box waiting for a blue tit to go in so we could run and catch it. That's something else that they don't tell you in lectures, like the the, the amount of involvement that's that's necessary. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, like that was just it was crazy, and I I remember I was around the corner from where someone was catching adults. Um, <laughs> and I heard these two dog walkers like screaming and I think they must have like come across the person just lying in the undergrowth and be like oh my god who is this? <laughs> what is this person on the floor so yeah that was that was a fun time uh, working with blue tits it's, it's, it's an adventure that's for sure <laughs> so, what's the, so what's the process you have to like lie in wait and then sort of pounce on them and yeah so basically you have to catch them at a stage where the, the chicks are kind of big enough so that they can provide their own body heat inside the nest so that when you catch the adult and you take it away to process, which is like 15 minutes, the, the chicks can survive on their own, basically. So that's mm-hmm. at around day 12, um, when the chicks are 12 days old. So you're basically waiting at the, at the nest box, you know, behind a tree or something, like hiding in a bush, and you wait for the adult to, to fly in, and then you have to like get up and sprint as fast as you can and then stop stop the hole in front of the nest so the, the adult can't get out. And then you have to like reach in around the side of the door and like grab it. They call it the sausage grip. That's like an official birding term. Uh, <laughs> so you literally just imagine grabbing a sausage <laughs> from a nest and then you put it in the bag and then tie off the bag and make sure it's all like secure and stuff. So it's just, it was just yeah, it was really fun. It was, it was, that was like my favorite part of the project. It was just running around the forest for a few days it's just it's pretty mad <laughs> yeah i suppose it's quite nice you got to get out and while well, the rest of us were sitting inside yeah yeah i felt a bit guilty like leaving my flatmates back at the flat well i was like guys i'm just gonna walk around the forest and look at some birds for like a few hours i'll see you later <laughs> that was it was actually really good to like just have that reason to to get up and and go somewhere and i was yeah like cycling like 10 or 11 miles a day just in my commute which was kind of cool um but i'd literally like get home and i'd like have some sourdough and then just pass out in my bed <laughs> have like a little <laughs> nap <laughs> it was a good routine 
was there any kind of like hobbies or activities that you were doing pre-lockdown that you weren't able to do because of the, the whole situation? I know you're a keen dancer. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's, well, you know this because we did the episode with uh, Jamie Davies, but yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of swing dancing and that was quite a shock because it went from, you know, dancing regularly every week to nothing. And then there were a couple of weekends that we were supposed to go to that got cancelled, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, those are like the highlight of the year. So it was very strange not to have that marker within the year. That, yeah, totally. That the year. Yeah, and then like all the classes were, they tried to do classes online, but it doesn't really work because most people were alone. So trying to teach a partner dance yeah. through video by yourself just kind of, it just, it was, I mean, it was a great effort, but I don't know how it's going to work for, for next year. Like, I doubt we're going to get any new people yeah. just because it's going to be so hard to teach. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just, actually, for a while, I actually stopped listening to that kind of music because I was just like, it's, you know, I can't, oh. it's too painful. It's too sad. <laughs> like, like, that, there's nobody to dance with. Oh, and I, no. just, like, I offered to teach my father and she's like, nah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're not dragging me into this. <laughs> exactly. So that's the reason that's with. Yeah. Oh, man. What about you? Did you anything that you really missed? Um, I think it was what I found challenging was, like, especially in the early stages, you could only hang out with, like, one person and it would have to be at a distance. Yeah. Obviously, you still have to do that now, but you can kind of meet up in bigger groups of, like, multiple households. Um, so I found I had to like really like plan rigorously every like social <laughs> social activity in my calendar, which is like not something that I'd really had to do that much. You know, I'd normally just be like, "Hey guys, we're gonna like go and have some drinks uh, at this pub, or like go and have a barbecue in the meadows or something," and just just all that extra effort just to to meet up with people was uh, something that I found quite challenging. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, yes, but then conversely, I think it was really nice the amount of things that people did online. Like, I don't know, I started watching movies with people just over Zoom or, like, doing pub quiz. Like, my lab started doing a pub quiz um, yeah. over Zoom, which we're still carrying on every Tuesday. And it's just it's just something that we never used to do before. Yeah. But somehow, in order to keep it social, we, we started doing that. And, you know, I reached out to so many people that I haven't talked to in ages, just being like, oh, hey, you know, want to wanna Skype, want to chat, want to yeah. wanna catch up, even though I know it's been ages. And that, I think in a way that was quite nice because because we couldn't socialize with people um, in person. Yeah. I've done so much more over the internet than I did before. Yeah. And it, in a way, it's kind of nice because I can be at home, you know, like in my pajamas, <laughs> socialize, like socializing and seeing people, but without yeah, yeah, ever having yeah. to get off my couch, which is quite nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that is that is that has been super nice. Um and I've seen so many people kind of just out and about just like or like skyping someone as they're like walking through town or something like that. That's been super yeah. nice. Because I think yeah, it's kind of forced everyone to kind of just be make more of an effort and, and catch up with people who they haven't spoken to in ages and I've definitely done so many pub quizzes, <laughs> like way more pub quizzes than I've ever done in my <laughs> entire life over like you know the past few months it's just hilarious and just I mean it also just in terms of of jobs and things like I, I because I'm interested in science communication I messaged a bunch of people whose jobs I was interested in and just said like oh can I ask you a few questions and because everybody was at home they were all like yeah absolutely so I managed to chat to so many people yeah and it was like it was so much fun and it was so nice to be able to do that that's really cool yeah. 
yeah, so you mentioned science communication. Is that is that something that you've kind of you were always interested in throughout university or did you kind of pick it up at some point along the way? I think when I started a science degree, I thought I I figured I would end up being a scientist and you know like working in a lab and that was sort of my career mm-hmm. goal plan. Um and then I so actually I remember watching do you know John Oliver like last week tonight? Yeah. He had this piece about uh, reporting science and about how, how messed up it is and how people keep getting it wrong. Yeah. And that's when I started getting interested in science communication and being like, oh, okay, this is, this is something that really needs to be addressed. And I, so I started looking into it as a kind of side thing to science. And um, yeah. that's when I joined the magazine and I started writing and, and doing things like that. And um, I took a, the science communication course in my fourth year oh, just sweet. to get an idea of, of, you know, what other things I could do. Yeah. And then it's kind of only really this year that I've considered it as a career option rather than doing science. And I think it's because, like, I enjoy working in the lab, but it is quite slow-paced in the sense that, you know, one, I I think I hadn't realized until I joined the lab that one article represents, you know, years of work and repeated experiments and failed experiments (laughs) and just over and over. And it's just so painstaking. Yeah. And I kind of, I quite like, I like finding out about the result. I like learning new, cool new things. <laughs> Take me to I don't the necessarily end. want to be the person who's painstakingly working out all of the <laughs> new things. Yeah. What about you? Is it a recent thing or is it something you've thought about for a while? So I actually, um, I, I took a year out before uh, going to university and I did some kind of like voluntary conservation stuff um, just to kind of get a little taste of it. And I was working for this charity in Tenerife and they have a scheme where they're monitoring the whales and dolphins that kind of either pass through or there's like a resident pilot whale population that they monitor as well. So they go out and they take pictures of the fins and you can identify individuals uh, using the fins. Um, So you can actually get a really accurate sort of tracking of the population. And so I was like, oh, maybe I should like, you know, start writing about this or something that could be kind of cool so i started up like a little blog on like wordpress where i could like write about my experiences and stuff like that and i was like you know why don't i just like start writing about other sort of general science and like stuff like that so i just kind of yeah started writing about things that interested me it wasn't very good (laughs) like reading it back i'm like oh i really hope no one finds this because it's so embarrassing (laughs) Well, see, because now after this conversation, I'm going to go and I'm going to go find that book. <laughs> <laughs> now everyone knows. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, nightmare. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so when I got to university and I, I, I found out that, you know, it was actually, especially with uh, you, side that they were just like, yeah, you can write for us. You know, you don't need any experience. Um, we'll, you know, help you out along the way. And I was like, sweet, that's that's cool. But I can just get involved with that and be like proper proper science journalism. So that's kind of how I got into it, definitely. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's incredible, like the amount of the amount of work that goes into a single issue, like it, the you know, like this editing, copy editing, and so many like fact checking. Yeah, I, it was a really cool way for me as well to start writing because you you just know that there are people who are helping you out with this, and it's not yeah you know that you, yeah that you're getting feedback and stuff, which was really useful. Yeah, definitely. And you get a taste of like all the different bits of the process because you can help out with editing and like all of that sort of stuff, which is like a valuable experience, especially if you kind of want to go into that as a career. Uh, you know, looking at a lot of jobs out there, you, you need experience in this stuff. And 
as you know, it's really hard to get that experience, but if you can do it at university, then that's kind of ideal. And it's so nice as well, because everybody's obviously so passionate about what they're doing and so keen. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's been quite nice being on committee because you get to, you get to meet all these people whose names, you know, from like emailing back and forth and yeah. things like that with other people. <laughs> Yeah. And you realize how just, yeah, just how keen people they are. Yeah, totally. So how, how did you um, end up getting involved with the podcast? Did, did Carolina, uh, did she reach out to you about it? What happened was the, so the day that we sort of found out that we were going to be going into lockdown, I had a meeting with my boss where he was like, well, look, there's not much for you to do at home. So I know that you're inter- interested in this science communication stuff. So why don't you like do more of that while you're in lockdown? And that was the that was the day that there was the deadline for the committee for the USI oh, committee. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, and so I, that kind of motivated me, and I went home and I wrote my application, sent it out, and then Carolina got back to me and said, "Look, we picked someone else for the the position that you wanted, but we have this position of podcast editor um, that we haven't advertised, but I think you'd be good for it." And I said, "And yeah," and I think we talked about it a little bit, and I said, "Yeah, that sounds like something I'd I'd love to do." Sweet. Um, and it was quite funny as well because so I wanted to ask you about this because when she said. So when she told me that you were going to be hosting, I, cause we, I, I feel like we met in Freshers Week and yeah. became <laughs> friends, but then like never talked again yeah. for the next four yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like and, we totally went down different paths, I think. Cause I, yeah, I, 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 I don't even remember how we met. Like I just know that you, we've been friends on Facebook for ages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not really interactive. <laughs> <laughs> But I have seen, but it's funny though, because I have seen like when you, because when you've written articles and stuff, you put them on Facebook and I've seen that and you've seen mine. So yeah. we've kind of been like keeping an eye on each other yeah, um, in a not creepy way. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was quite cool to find out that you were going to be, you were going to be hosting. Yeah, yeah. Did you, because you said that you, you're the one who suggested having a podcast. Is that, is that right? Kind of, yeah. So <laughs> I... I had noticed on the the website webpage that there was this little like podcast section. And I was like, oh, that sounds like pretty cool. So I'll go and have a look. But it turns out they weren't running the podcast anymore. So I was like, oh, okay. I'll get in touch with Carolina and see if there's any sort of, if they're going to start it up for next year or if there's like any way I can get involved. And so my idea was that I'd get involved in some like seriously minor way, like maybe doing like fact checking for like an episode or like something like that. And then uh, she got back to me. She's like, "Yeah, man, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to just host the new podcast, you totally can." <laughs> I was like, "Ah, oh, okay." <laughs> I really wasn't expecting that to happen at all. Um, and it was kind of like a little bit scary. I was like, "Okay, this is like, this is getting real. I'm going to be broadcasting my voice to the nation." <laughs> um, she's very, she's very cool like that. Like that, that, that's kind of how the the editathon came about because she, I was like, "Oh." this might be a fun event to run in Freshers Week. I don't know, just putting this out there. And then she was like, great, you're organizing. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about this event that you were running in Freshers Week. What, what is that? Oh, um, yeah, so I, I discovered that editing Wikipedia was a thing uh, over lockdown because when George Floyd was killed and, and there were the protests, there, there were people who organized a, a Wikipedia editathon to try and get more people of color onto Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the moment, it's it's really biased towards white people and also towards men. So the idea is to get more women, more people of color onto Wikipedia and make it yeah. more diverse uh, and more representative of the people who use it. So, 
yeah, so I got into that, and then I it, I went down a sort of wormhole where I, it's very addictive. It, you wouldn't, <laughs> it, you'd wouldn't expect it to be so addictive, but genuinely, it's like like today I found out that the this there's an immunologist who died recently because of COVID nineteen. And she doesn't have a Wikipedia page. And I was like, well, I know what I'm doing this afternoon. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's become a bit of a habit. Anyway, all this to say that um, I found it really fun. And I thought it could be a cool event for Freshers Week because it's a way to get to know each other. And it's for people who are interested in the magazine. Like, obviously, it's, it's writing and it's researching. And it's a great way to teach people how to do all these things mm. and use these skills. And, and even just for university, like, you have to, because it's, it's an, it's, you know, it is a, an encyclopedia so you have to learn how to cite properly and, and yeah. that kind of thing um so that they're really cool skills to have and the university of edinburgh has a wikipedian in residence whose whose whole job it is to help people with wikipedia um, so wild. he's helping us organize so i'm really excited about that yeah um so he's gonna help help train people nice well so yes please please attend please attend this editathon it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah very excited I think it's it's the it's all out on the social media that we have. I think it's all been yes, promoted yes. now. So, yes, the editathon is on uh, the seventeenth yeah. of September on the Thursday, and look out for the episode that's going to come out on Wednesday because that's my interview with uh, Jess Wade, who's just all around amazing. It's such a fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jess Wade. She's a legend. She uh, she is very heavily involved in the kind of Wikipedia editing movement. Um, so you'll. That episode comes out on Wednesday, the 16th of September. So you'll want to listen to that. Exactly. Go and get your tickets. They are free, but make sure you sign up because it's going to be wild. Yes, absolutely. Wild. <laughs> but another thing that's going to be wild because you're also organizing something for Freshers Week. Yes, I am going to be hosting Edinburgh University Science Media, not another science pub quiz. So that's going to be like a virtual pub quiz, just like we've all done so many of very recently um it's going to be pretty crazy yeah um i think it's going to be about thinking about five rounds um we're going to split people into teams so we can get to know each other have a chat have a good time there will be prizes i haven't decided what they are yet but there will be prizes that is a certainty <laughs> i mean obviously on top of our undying recognition and, and admiration of course <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I think that's I think that's all the promo that we need to do anyways. <laughs> <laughs> we'll check check those boxes. I'm do you wanna so, do you wanna talk a bit about what we've planned for this season? Yes, yes I do. Okay, so basically the plan. Um semester one, we have six extremely uh, extremely interesting episodes of the podcast coming out. Um we'll be publishing on a fortnightly basis, starting from the sixteenth of September, our episode with Jess Wade, which is gonna be really cool. But also, we will be preparing for semester two, and so we are kind of looking for suggestions and ideas or people that you think might be interested in either coming on the podcast or like you know someone who would be cool. We really want student societies to be like a big part of, of who we talk to on the podcast as well. So we have a really cool episode coming up in October with the Ornithological Society. That's going to be really cool. So any any sort of thing like that would be really awesome if you think your society has something really interesting that we'd like to have on the podcast, then please do get in touch. I've totally forgotten where people can get in touch. We have an email address. <laughs> we have an email address and all of the social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll put all that in, in the show notes, I guess. <laughs> we are, we're also planning a little series that we'd like to broadcast over Christmas and New Year's. 
Um, and this is going to be an opportunity for anyone to get involved in the show, basically. We're planning what we're kind of calling mini stories episodes. So we're going to have three episodes, and in each episode there's going to be two or three just little stories about like interesting things. And we would like these to be made by anyone who wants to get involved in the podcast. So yeah, um, basically for the, for the mini stories, you can come to us with like a totally new idea. If you like something that you think would be really some science related topic that you think is like, would be really interesting to explore, or you can take your inspiration from the magazine and or articles that have been published on the website really recently. That would be quite a cool way to get involved as well. Or if you've written an article and you want to, if there's more you want to say, yes, that would be a really cool episode as well. Yeah, that would be really, really cool. It's just kind of a good opportunity to, to explore a topic in a more informal way and, and take it in a new direction. So, yeah, so if you want to get in, involved that's a, in the podcast, that's a really cool way of, of doing that. Going forward, we want everyone who is interested to get involved because the more people we have, the more kind of interesting and diverse stories from all parts of kind of the university and what's happening in the city and, and in the science world more generally. Um, the more sort of stuff we can explore, that would be really cool. And just to just to keep it going, you know, if ever we decide to leave the podcast, we can we can bring in the next generation of hosts and editors. <laughs> when I'm old, when I die, <laughs> in my grave, that's when I'll give it up. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how to end it. <laughs> I don't really know what you do. <laughs> um, uh, I guess keep it science, everyone. Okay, make sure you keep it science, because I'll know if you don't. <laughs> I love how that was like a placeholder for a for a tagline, and it's just become the tagline. <laughs> yeah, I think I I quite like it actually. That's so do I. I think it's yeah. it's become it's become the thing. It's become yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, keep it science. Thanks for listening, guys. This podcast is brought to you by the Edinburgh University Science Magazine. In each episode, we explore fascinating themes and ideas, talk to awesome researchers about their work, and find out about the science being done by our very own staff and students here at the university. If you'd like to get in touch with a question, suggestion, or if you want to be featured on the podcast, you can reach us on our Facebook page, Edinburgh University Science Media, or at our Twitter, at USCI. That's at E-U-S-C-I. You can also drop us an email at usi.podcast.gmail.com and you can find the show notes and the latest issue of the magazine at usi.org.uk. This episode was edited by my partner in crime, Helena Cornu. The awesome podcast cover art was designed by USI chief editor, Apple Chu. The intro music is an edited version of Funkorama and the outro music is an edited version of Funk Game Loop, both by Kevin McLeod. I've been your host, Tim Edwick. Until next time, keep it science. <laughs>